Gatov. Um good Rosh Chodesh. Uh first day of ER, sixteenth day of the Omer. We pick up with um our, with a new parak today. So the Daf is Nuntet fifty nine, we pick up at the bottom of Nunchadamadbet, the beginning of the third parak. Um and let's get us started. Um a man says to his friend, Go marry a woman for me. And this guy went and found a wonderful woman and then decided, Why am I marrying him off from, to my, to my friend? Why am I marrying her to my friend? So he decided to marry her himself. Was, who is that the story about? Miles Standish or something? No? What? The courtship of Father. The courtship, is that, was that the story? I think so, yeah. Yeah. All right, anyway, wasn't there one of those stories also about the founding fathers or something? About, no? Am I, anyway. All right, anyway. Okay, so rather than going ahead and... Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. All right, anyway. Okay, anyway. No, I didn't mean the founding fathers. I meant like the pilgrims. Wasn't that, there a pilgrim story about that? About, anyway, whatever. All right, anyway. She's married to the second guy. Now, Tosus, of course, says, like, okay, what's the Chiddush? I mean, it might not have been a nice thing to do. You agreed to marry her for your, you know, to the guy who sent you, and you married her, off, and, and, you, and you married her for yourself. But, uh, you know, but what's the, chid- what's the halachic Chiddush here? So if you look at Tosus, Tosus says, mm-hmm. So Tosus says, mm-hmm. Of course. Um, he said at the moment of that he was of marriage so and so sent me to marry you off to him and then he said to her <laughs> every rabbi under the right now she couldn't have been confused if she thought that he that when he said Lee he meant in the voice of the of the Mishaleach, then it would have been a Kiddush Shaitavus. But he realized he meant to himself. The Imlov came out to Mikudesh, so otherwise it wouldn't work. Okay, then what's the Kiddush? He said, Hariat Mikudesh Li. Um, she understood he said that, that he meant to him, um, to, you know, the guy who was standing in front of her. The Ashmunan Kiddush, the Kiddush is, nevertheless, I might have thought, Hadakamar Li with Sarh Mishachokamar. That maybe, when he said Li, he's speaking in the voice of the Mishaleach, and therefore, uh, therefore, I guess she wouldn't be married to either, because the woman wanted to marry the guy in front of her, but maybe the Lee here meant the Mishaleach, not me. Kamash we don't say that. So, it's cute, because it raises the question of when you're representing the person who sent you, you, you know, when you say Lee, me, you know, you're still speaking then in your own voice. You're not speaking in the voice of the person who sent you. But anyway... He yada, right. But generally, what we're doing is we're interpreting objectively... In right, like, why don't we just say Dvarim Shevalev Right, yeah. Um, that's what we always do, right? We, we never say, what does she think he meant? We always say, what this language means, or whatever the situation is. Right. Right, it's a good point. You know, so would we have had a Hava mean as that even if he, she was not Yad uh, that objectively? But I guess it, I, I feel it's, I guess it's objectively am, ambiguous. Well, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. Anyway, so the, the, the Chiddush of the Mishnah is, right, uh, that, I don't know what the Chiddush of the Mishnah is, but the case of the Mishnah is that she's, even though the guy, the guy decided to marry to himself, she's married, to, so, so she's married to that, to, to the guy who married her. The chain is also interesting. What exactly the comparison is? You're married to be within thirty uh, after thirty days. Somebody else married her before the thirty days uh, arrived. The thirtieth day arrived. She's married to the second. So the comparison is somebody jumped in. So maybe the point of the mission is the same way. In the first case, it's obvious that even though the first guy sent him, the, the second guy married her to herself. Obviously, that works here too. Even though the first guy started the process, did the act that would take effect, nevertheless, it hasn't taken effect yet, and if somebody jumps in and marries her before that thing takes effect, it works to the second guy. And if the second guy is a Kohen, she can eat Truma. She's fully married to the second guy. What? Yeah. Give back the ring. Yeah, she would have to give back the ring. That's true. Um, and maybe to some 
we get that to the question earlier in the Gemara about Malus Matana or Malus, you know, p- you know, Pikadon or whatever. But, um, but yes, you would have to get back to the ring to the first guy. If it's as of now and and completing in thirty days, and we'll see what that might mean. So, somebody that tried to marry her within the thirty days, so she's questionably married to the second guy. When the first guy said as of now, how much is that going to make it all retroactive from the first moment, or how much is it all still going to be pushed off to the end, or maybe it's some type of an interim status? So whether she can be married, whether the marriage to the second guy works or not is unclear. But Yisrael Akon and Bascon Yisrael, if either she's, if, she, if, if the second guy is a Kohen, or if she's the daughter of a Kohen and the second guy is a Yisrael, so um, in, in either case, we'll talk about Truma, she can't eat Truma. Meaning, if she's Bas Yisrael married to, and the second guy is a Kohen, she can't eat Truma because she might not be married to the second guy. If she's a Bas Kohen and uh, the second guy is a Yisrael, then she also can't be eat Truma because she might be married to the second guy. So either way, it's a way of illustrating that we don't know whether she is, you know, how confident we are that she's married to the second guy. Yes. Right. Um, well, um, yeah. I mean, I think that the point is is that the tocha betruma is a way to test even in the interim. Let me think about that. Um, Meaning, if you look at, if you think about the first case, the first case is when he said, Lachar Shloshim Yom, and then the second guy married her within the 30 days, and she can eat Truma because she's married to the second guy. So, it's like obvious she's not married to the first guy because the 30 days aren't up. And to say she can sleep with the second guy, like, you know, I mean, then that gets raising questions about what's the issue of sex outside of marriage and so on. So, it's, I mean, the Tocha the Truma, at least in the first case, is an indication, you know. To somebody, no, to somebody. Right, but I'm, right, I understand that. I think that that's more true about the second case. That that's yeah. more that's, that 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 you didn't have to use truma to illustrate her questionable status. Because the most obvious way of illustrating the questionable status in the in the second case was she can't have sex with either guy because she might be married to the other one. Right, you're right. That's true in the second case. The first case, you understand a little bit more why they gave the truma because it's more obvious she's not married to the first guy, and it's a way of testing if she's married to the second. But you're right. By the second case, it's like you can't sleep with. Either one, because it might be HSE. Yeah, Charlie. Why would she sleep with either one? She's an Arusa. She's not a. All right, fine. But there wouldn't be HSE. Yes. I would have thought the Chidush in the Reisha was that if I'm someone's Shaliach, I guess this is not true. If I'm your Shaliach, yeah. I-, I can't speak in my own voice. No, everything I say is, it, is that not uh, no what are you saying I, you make me your shaliach and I go ahead and I decide I want to buy some groceries I'm buying groceries for you I mean no <laughs> no I mean if a polo can be choser b'chatzi hayom a shaliach can also be choser b'chatzi hayom you know you can give up you, you know you can you, you know you can renounce your shlichos at any time alright ha'omer l'chavero so now we're going to deal with the mora- with the sort of the you know the, the moral aspect of the first case because legally it works, right? He's the guy just the Shaliyah decided to act on his own behalf, but it, is it the right thing to do or not? So, okay, so Omer Lechavei would say the Kadesh. Tana, we Tana Braisa. Masha Asa Asa, fine, it works that the woman is married to the uh, to the agent, um, but Elo Shinagba Minag Ramaut. He was he was a scoundrel. He was a, you know, he acted in a deceptive way to the first guy. He told the first guy he would do this for him, and then the woman that the first guy maybe wanted to marry, um, he took for himself. Now, I do want to ask a question, because this is sort of going to be running through this, but I want to put it out there that, you know, if the first guy said, here's the specific woman I want you to marry for me, right, and, uh, you know, then you really understand, like, he stole the woman from under this guy's nose, right? But let's say he just says, find me a nice woman to marry for me. And this guy goes, and he goes to the town, he's looking around, and he sees this wonderful woman that he decides he wants to marry herself, and like, the woman agrees, right? Is that such a terrible thing? I mean, you know, like, it's hard to imagine. And like, like, also, I think because we're talking not just about like buy, find me a nice car, you know, or whatever. <laughs> talking about somebody's like, you know, a sort of a life choice about a life partner, right? So if you find, and I don't know, like, I mean, 
mean, it, it does that's raise not it. the case, though, right? What? Well, it's not clear what the case says. Where does it say Ishaplonit? Oh, oh, the Mishnah. The Mishnah says Ishaplonit. That's true. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah, I think I had skipped over that. Right. So if it's like a specific woman, right? So then I think you know you understand a little bit more. Look, even if it is a specific woman, I, I mean, I think it raises interesting questions, which is like if the the first guy and the woman had already been like engaged and in conversation, and this guy's coming, it's a, it's one thing, right? But you know, when in the realities of the Gemara is talking about, is it clear that the first that the, that the first time the woman had been engaged, maybe he says, oh, I've seen this woman, she seems wonderful. See if she can talk her into getting married to me. And this guy decides I'm going to marry, you know, yes. And then by and, and he's in the process, he realizes, you know what, I should be married for myself. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Gemara is going to be obviously very critical, but it just seems to me that I guess what I'm saying is that there are two issues. Number one is how much was there already a like, you know, a not just the, a desire on the part of the first guy, but an actual connection to this woman that, you know, and an engagement, uh, I don't mean necessarily they're engaged, but they were already, you know, had developed a relationship that this guy was coming in intervening with, you know, is one question. If there hadn't been a really an existing relationship, one wonders how bad it is. And the other thing is, is the, uh, the fact that this is about a choice about the person you're going to spend your life with, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, in my mind, it raises questions about, uh, you know, about those, about, uh, about like, when is it justified to do that way? Right. Right. So I think that that's true. We're going to compare it in very soon to questions about like buying a piece of property. Okay, <laughs> which is a different story. And maybe the reason the Gemara isn't raising the issues I'm raising is because you know the Gemara was in a time where it wasn't not so much about romantic marriage, right? But I'm putting it out there. Um, let's keep on reading the Gemara and see. But I think the fact that it started with a concrete woman is an important point. And again, whether they already had a concrete relationship that, you know, or the guy just saw this woman from afar, you know, I think is an interesting question as well. Right, exactly. That's entirely based on, you know, this is not an unusual... Right, it's not unusual. But in another way... Yes, not so unusual, right. And look, the Gemara talks about, the you know, you're allowed to do Kiddushin, even like on, you know, Tisha because of Shema Yakti Menu Acher. Maybe somebody else will beat you, you know, you know, you know, will beat you to it. So, um, now that wasn't the case where you sent the guy to do it, right. right? So the guy agreed to act on your behalf and then he's switching acting on his own behalf. You didn't send him and everybody's always acting on their own behalf and you understand, you know, it's like, oh, may the best man win, you know? But right, here it's a little different. But even here, I do, I don't know, I raise the question based on the circumstances, like when would it be appropriate? And also what I was saying, like, I mean, in this kind of situation, you have to think about what that woman's desire is also. I mean, right. Here she's like willing to switch, maybe I guess they question love. They don't consider love, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but that ha- we know that that happens too. You know, this courtship and whatever, and somebody gets, you know, was thinking about whatever, and then, yeah, so, right, exactly. I mean, what? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, okay, Tana, and how about our Tana, who did not mention the moral critique, sort of, um, now when it says, and he went, it doesn't just say it's, it's the, the word is coming to you know connote the idea that he went and he did something dastardly he went off you know and he married her to himself he, you know so it's indicating that he did the wrong thing okay now why you just say somebody who said to his friend way back earlier it said um, not so much back that if that last parak had said that if somebody says to his shaliach, his agent, go marry this woman in such and such a place, and he married her in another place, it doesn't work. Okay, so why in one place does it describe the guy you're sending as your friend, and the other guy is your tatas as your shaliach? So each one is telling you a chiddush. Here it's telling you a chiddush. The that if you had sent your agent, it's only by the case of your agent the guy is considered to be do acting in a deceitful way. Because you rely on him. You say, I made him my agent. He'll take care of it. You don't feel that you have to, you know, be, uh, you know, you feel that you've sufficiently delegated the responsibility. It's no longer, you know, you can be confident that it's going to take place. But if you just ask your friend and not your agent, I have to say, I don't exactly understand the difference between agent and friend. Right? Either way, the guy halachically is your shaliyah. 
Ruach. You're empowering him to do the act. But presumably, you know, one is that, I don't know, maybe you paid him, you're in some type of an official capacity, okay, or it was clear from the context that you were saying, like, you know, you do it for me and you take care of this for me as opposed to the other, it's like, do me a favor if you get the chance to do it, okay? So, anyway, so in the case of the friend, um, and that's the way Rashi says, if you look at Rashi, the last, the, the fourth of the lines from the top, he says, Chavero you happen to you know oh you're going to I hear you're going to you know Cincinnati if you happen to see this woman you know man there for me it wasn't that you I sent you on a mission to do it okay so in that case where somehow you're you know you're not in my employee or I didn't send you on a mission I asked you more to do me a favor if you get a chance so in that type of a case the um, uh, I'm not sure you're going to get a chance to do it. Then maybe you wouldn't be a Ramai. So, so nevertheless, our mission is telling you that it's still the wrong thing to do. The irony being that it's saying it's saying it in the mission to tell you it's a Ramai, but the critique of Ramai is not really in the Mishnah. We're sort of reading it into the word Halach, which meant that he, and he sneakily went, but that's not actually in the Mishnah. But anyway, that's the point, that even if you're just asking a favor from your friend, it's the wrong thing to do. By the way, you certainly also understand that from a moral perspective, right? That if you sort of give me the responsibility of doing it, then I'm really like sort of like, you know, reneging um, you know, uh, on my obligation to you, you know, and you know, in my own interest. As opposed to ask to do you a favor, there's less of a sense of a real commitment and obligation that I have to no, you. Brother, you said something that I never, never occurred to me. In a normal case of shlichus, am I assuming that the Mishaleach is paying the Shaleach? I normally assume not. But I, I yeah, that. but it could be you are. That in there, so I, it could be you are. Why not? I mean, why should I go to all this trouble for exactly. you? Right. <laughs> so yeah, it could be a car. You know, it could be being paid, but that's not that important halachically to the status of shalichus. Okay. Um, so even if it was just a favor, though, there's an element of ramaut. But again, I think that the point, whoever pointed it out, that the mission explicitly says ishaplonit is relevant for that. Hey, you have more responsibility. Exactly. If you're sent on a mission, you're being paid to do that you're being contractually bound to it exactly. right so obviously there's more uh, you know right exactly there's more sense of betrayal when you actually choose to uh, you know reverse it there okay um, okay now the Hasam Rebusa Kamash and there when you say it says you say to your Shaliach marry me this woman in a particular place and she does, he does it in another place it doesn't work it's a Chiddush that even in the case of Shlichos you say to your friend oh if you happen to be there go marry this woman for me in that place there I meant only that place because I heard you were going to Cincinnati so I meant in Cincinnati marry her I think that you know, it doesn't even occur to me that you'll go looking for her in another place so I only made you a shaliach in Cincinnati and therefore if it's another place it doesn't work but when I send you on a mission and I say you know I'm hiring you or whatever go to go to Cincinnati to find that woman so therefore you're taking the responsibility to do the effort on my behalf to Torah putting the effort on my behalf maybe there basically I have to go you know, when you say Cincinnati you're just trying to make get it, you give me help, you know help me out to let me know where I can find her but if you're sending me on a mission I have to go ahead and look for her wherever I might find her not that way that if you told me that location anything other than that location is not my shlichus and even if I did it it would not work okay so that's where interesting about different scenarios where legally in all those cases the person is empowered, he's given the which what we would call the shaliach, he's given the you know, he's given the legal power to do the act, but in one case you're doing a favor, in the other case you're being sent to do it, and what that might, how that might sort of change some of the context, whether it's the sort of moral aspects of it, or whether it's other types of how we interpret the words how much, you know, the context might change based on the nature of that relationship This might, this might, this might be miyashev the earlier machloket about marimakom or kaptek yeah, but the Gemara. Well, yes, that was the Psaka that Mishnah, and the Gemara is here saying that even that, that the context, you know, at least these this aspects of context wouldn't make a difference in terms of that. Okay, now the Gemara gets back to the issue of Ramaut and speaks about something that I think is, you know, less. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, you know, sort of not the same sort of a consequence in terms of uh, who's going to be your life partner. So let's take a look. Ravin Chasida, so the Ravin the righteous one, other than Kedusha Itate, Itata Livre, went to marry.
marry a woman off to his for his son. His son obviously had made him a shaliyah. Tosfos deals with the problem that the Gemara said earlier that uh, uh, somebody's not chutzpahdik enough to ask their father to be a shaliyah to marry a woman for her. So Tosfos says, well, maybe the father's you know suggested it to the son, and the son liked the idea. Anyway, he's going to marry this woman off to, to his son. But then when he actually started engaging the woman in conversation, he decided, you know what, I'm going to marry her for myself. Okay, <laughs> so that's exactly uh, going against the bright at least. So, and this was the, and this was Ravin Chasida. I'm assuming Chasida wasn't just the last name. Okay, so the Gemara says that Tanya, but don't we teach in a brisa? that it's an act of like a deception um, you know betrayal so the says no no the story was was that they were refusing to marry this daughter off to his son his son wasn't chutzpah enough for her to marry her oh you want to marry her for yourself oh that's a good idea yeah. by the way notice that it's the you know she, the, door, the, the woman here is is, it does not have a voice. It's clearly the family. They did not give her to him. Uh, you know, they would not give her over to the son, but they would be happy to marry her off to the father. He was a much more chashev person. So the Gemara says, nevertheless, right, which is a very interesting insight. Like, even if it's okay, right, because it's not like, it's not like, you know, you're taking this woman away from your son because they're not going to give it to your son, but nevertheless, you should first tell your son what you're doing. You should send back a message because if you don't, don't, right? The experience is one of being betrayed, right? If you let people know, which is very powerful, right? If you let people know what's happening, let me explain to you this, whatever, they wouldn't, I want, you know, I'm planning on doing it for myself, you know, then they, they might not be happy, but they understand the reality, right? In the case where they just find out after, what? You made it for yourself and not for me? That even if the explanation can come later, there's a, certainly an experience of being betrayed, right? When that happens without letting the person know, the person who asked you to do it, informing that person about what the reality is and why it's not going to be happening okay so you should have informed um, so the Gemara says um, no. There's the By the time it takes me to send a message back to my son and inform him, and maybe I want to hear if he's okay with it, right? Maybe that's also. But anyway, but by the time that that takes me, somebody else is obviously woman was obviously very desired by uh, you know, and therefore um, he was afraid he would lose the opportunity. All right. So in that case, it was seen as okay. So here's this idea that like it's such an important opportunity, you know, you don't want to ruin it is seen as acceptable when at least, you know, you've tried to do the right thing otherwise or when at least, you know, but, you know, if there's an opportunity to make it more right, you need to make it more right. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Rabbi Barbachana Yav Lezuzei Lirav. So now here's another story. Um, now we switch from marrying a woman to buying land. Rabbi Barbachana gave money to Rav. Um, and he said to him, Go buy for me this plot of land. Azul so Rav went. Rav went He bought it for himself. Uh, but don't we tell you that that's deceptive and here the Gemara presumably is applying you know the, uh, the, the teaching here about marriage to other types of scenarios as well so the Gemara says no um, that was a swamp or a plot of land that was owned by some very uh, uh, you know sort of strong armed people um, and and they would not necessarily sell it to anyone one. For Rav, they were they showed honor to Rav, and they'd be prepared to sell it to Rav. But Rav but they wouldn't have just given that honor, and they wouldn't have sold it to Rav Barbachana, who was the person who had asked Rav to buy it. And presumably, they wouldn't have sold it to Rav Barbachana even on the request, you know, of Rav. Rav was oh, they were only prepared to sell it to Rav himself, similar to the previous story. So the Gemara says, nevertheless. You should have told him, right? Because if you tell him, then you can also see that. Meaning, before I was sort of emphasizing that the point of telling is so that the person doesn't feel betrayed when they find out. But there's another aspect of it as well, because when you tell them, you in a certain way, like formally end your shlichus. You know, you're letting the person know they won't sell it to me, so I can no longer sort of operate on your behalf in this in this capacity. And then you go and you operate on your own behalf, right? So you're sort of formally terminating your representing of that person. Right, as opposed to when you don't do it, then there's much more of a sense of you were supposed to be representing me, and you were going ahead and acting on your own behalf. So the Gemara says you should have, shouldn't he have informed, you know, Rabbi Barbachana. 
So the Gemara says, Savar, the Hachi Vachiat, the Inishachrin, and Zabin Lano, he was afraid that in the time that it would take to do that, somebody else would come and buy the land. Clearly, just parallel to the previous story, this was like hot property. Okay, so he had to seize the opportunity. Rav Gidol, Havi Mahatik, Bahu Ara. Rav Gidol was like trying to purchase a certain plot of land. Literally, Mahatik means like turning over, right? But he was in negotiations trying to purchase a plot of land. Use the same phrase. Turning over? Yeah. Do we? I think so. He turned it over to somebody else. No, that's not what we mean. My means he was like he was engaged in it, trying to purchase it. Um, he was engaged in negotiations about it. Other Rabbi Ava Zavna. So Rabbi Ava went. Now this was not a shaliyah. This was just somebody. This was like a, everybody for themselves, right? So Rabbi Ava went and he purchased it. So that's a different type of a question. So uh, um, and the Gemara, by the way, by the case of marriage, is not critical of that. The Gemara speaks about shemi yakti menu acher. You know, you don't. You shouldn't wait. Somebody else might be you to it or whatever and the Gemara is not critical the Gemara was only critical here when you were supposed to be representing the person okay so anyway Rabbi Ava went and he bought the land other Rav Gidol Kabli the Rabbi Zera so Rabbi Gidol who was trying to buy the land went and complained to Rabbi Zera on the actions of Rabbi Abba other Rabbi Zera Kabli the Rabbi Yitzchak Navcha Rabbi Zera went and he knocked it up he bumped it up he told Rabbi Yitzchak Navcha about this uh, about how, how Rabbi Abba asked acted Abba Leis so Rabbi Yitzchak Navcha said to, to Rabbi Zera Wait till Rabbi Abba comes to us for the, uh, you know, for Yantav, you know, the big, Rashi says, the uh, big lectures that they would give, the, uh, you know, in the 30 days before the Yantav, everybody would gather, so he's going to come to those pre-Yantav lectures, and, and then I'll have a chance to see him, and I'll talk to him then. Okay, he saw it, so when Rabbi Abba went for those Shurim, and Rabbi, and Rabbi Yitzhak Nafka saw him, Rabbi Yitzhak Nafka found him, I'm going to, he said to him, um, he said to so Rabbi Yitzhak Nafka said to Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba was the one who bought the land, let's say a poor person is uh, trying to take possession of like a, uh, you know, of like a wafer, of a, of a, a piece of cake, right. And somebody came and took it under his nose. My, what's the halacha? The guy who stole it from under his nose is a Russia. It was not stolen, but took it from under his nose. So he says, my time, So why did you do what you did? So like a David and what was a nothing and Navi type of a story. <laughs> you know, first you give him another story. Okay, well, look, isn't that what you did? You stole this plot of land, or not stole, but took it from under the nose of uh, of, of, of Rav Gido? I don't know. The mo really no. The mo here is uh, in negotiations with the guy. I don't think so. No, are you kidding me? It's like whether well, like I'm selling my I'm selling my house. You made me an offer. Somebody else makes me a better offer. It's like that's understood. That's business. Whoever goes ahead and makes me the best offer, whatever is real, is ready to buy it right now. Still in the middle of the negotiation. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but but you know, for, but for the Ben Adam Lechadeira, for me, I, I, it's known. I'm going to sell it to whoever's going to make me the best offer. But from your perspective, what are you doing? Stealing? You know, taking it out from under from under the nose of the person who was about to buy it. Okay, Amalei. So he said to him, I didn't realize he was in negotiations. Who knew? The seller didn't tell me. I saw a nice plot of land. I didn't know that. So the Gemara says, So, okay, fine. You didn't know. That's great. So you, you want to do the right thing. So go ahead and sell it to uh, whoever it was. Sell it to um, uh, Rav Gigo. Look, I was, I'm not going to sell it to Rav Kido. Why not? It's the first plot of land I ever bought. It's not a good siman. It's not a good, like, you know, it's a nine hara or something to, for me to have to, you know, because apparently, like, now we would think, you know, you buy, you sell, whatever. But there, you know, the purchase of buying land was that you keep it, right? You know, it's not for, it's not for, uh, you know, to, what's it called? You're not, so, it's not like buying a house to turn it over, right? So there's, it's a bad siman if, you know, if, you know, the divest yourself, selling off your property doesn't look good. Normally, who are the people that sell off their property? Are people that are really have hit poverty, right? So, therefore, to sell property would not be a good thing, especially my first plot of land that I ever bought. Ibai, but if he wants, the Matana let him take it as a gift. Okay, I'll get, I'm, happy, I'm happy to give it to him as a gift. That's not a bad siman. If you give away your property, it shows you're well off. So Rav Gido, lo nachis lebar. Rav Gido would refu- refuse to go into the land, to take it. I'm not going to take a gift. Right? The person who hates gifts will live. Who am I? I need to take gifts from people. Okay. Right? I want to I wanna have things because I've earned them. Okay. So Rabbi, he space by offering it as a gift because he knew he wouldn't take it. I don't know. Maybe. We don't know. That's already speculation. 
regulation. Rabbi Abba lo nachi slave mishum to hapich pay Rav Gidol. Rabbi Abba refused to use it. Wouldn't go down and use the land like nachis go into it, like you know, take possession of it because Rav Gidol was trying to have was was trying to purchase it, and he unwittingly took it out from away from Rav Gidol. Okay, Rav Gidol lo. Um, uh, neither one was willing to go into the land one didn't want to take gifts the other didn't want to take it because he, he because Rav Gidl had been because Rav Gidl had been interested in it and it was called the, the, the land of the rabbis because apparently the way Rashi says this they basically left it uh, over for the use of the B'nai Yeshiva neither of them took possession it was given over to public use okay <laughs> nice little story about everybody trying to do the right thing to end the discussion of people doing the wrong thing. Now, by the way, this raises interesting questions about what did he mean that he was mahapik pecharara? What degree of engagement did he have that would make it inappropriate to jump in? Right? And this is not a case of being a shaliach. So if you take a look, let's look very quickly. It's a very interesting tosos. Ani mahapik pecharara. Tosos says, v'natla. That it was a, uh, it was like a, a cake that was ownerless. So you were about to see something that was ownerless, and I jumped ahead and I seized it before you. And he says that's difficult because there's other gemaras that sound like when it comes to a, a finding a lost object in the street, even if you saw it first, if I jumped and grabbed it first, it's mine. So it also says if you skip down the line of Omer Tam, it's about one, two, three, four, about eight lines down in the narrow lines, the lines which is where the Isser. If it's a lost object, if it's a mitziah, only one person can get it. There's only one opportunity to get it. Even if you saw it first, why should I let you take it? I'm going to take it. I don't have any other chance to get this lost object. Right here it is, a hundred dollar bill floating around. Right? Why does the fact that you see it first entitle you to it? First, you know, it's whatever. It's uh, every man for himself. Okay. But if you're not talking about something like a mitziah, that you know, which is what do they call that a zero sum game? Right? If I take, you know, you take it, I don't get it. I take it, you don't get it. But if we're talking about a type of a business arrangement. Right? Whereas, like, you're working, you know, to try to, in this case, you were trying to buy a plot of land. He was trying to enter in, this honey was trying to enter into some type of a business deal that he, somebody would, I don't know, sell him cakes and then he would go ahead and, you know, resell them or something like that. So that's a type of a thing where there are two differences. Number one is you could say he put in effort, but more relevant for Tosos and the effort issue is that, you know, I've, I've been working to make this deal. You go ahead and you find another deal for you to make for yourself. Right? It's not like there's only one such opportunity. Okay? So it becomes very interesting for Tosos, this idea where you're not a shaliach, right? This is the question. When, when you are not a shaliach, is it inappropriate for you to, like, jump in and take something that your friend had his eye on? Right? And Tosos sort of says, well, if, like, there's no other opportunity, and by the way, an interesting case would be this case of marriage. Right? I'm courting a woman. You know, you see her, you want her. You're going to jump in and you're going to court her. Right? You could say, oh, well, find a woman for yourself. Like, there's only one such woman. Right? Everybody is unique, okay? So, like, if it's like, I can't, like, like find some opportunity like that for yourself, go do, right? Then, then you know, that maybe you do have a right. You know, going back to, by the way, the first uh, job in the Gemara, where it compared the whole idea about finding a woman to a Metziah. Remember that? Where it says, like, the person lost and finding his Metziah. So, okay, you know, anyway, who, who you know, but, but, uh, but, like, so, when you're not a Shaliyah, are you allowed to just, you know, totally focus on your own interests, or do you have to care about what I was engaged in? So, for Tosfos, it's like, if you can go ahead and put in the effort and find a similar opportunity yourself, you can't interfere with what I'm doing. But if you don't have a similar type of an opportunity, it's a case of a mitzvah, or maybe a case, you know, or, you know, something, again, like, I think, like, marrying this woman, where we're not dealing with shlichos, then it's like, you should, not, you know, then it's like, you know, if, if, there's, if there's a zero-sum game and you don't have an equal opportunity, maybe it is every man for himself. All right? But then Tosus gets to this other question about an issue about miyukasha, I'll just look at another line because this is just again I think so so interesting in terms of the you know not only not really halachic but the the, the ethical questions it raises. There it basically is. I'm going here and I'm casting out a net, and you're not allowed 
to start casting nets where I'm casting nets for fishing, even though the fish don't yet belong to me yet. There it's different, because there you're interfering with my business. Yeah. So here it makes a different issue, right? If my business is to catch fish, even if the fish are healthcare, we don't look at it like, oh, it's a metzi, it's a lost object I saw on the street. I'm setting up my business here. You want to go ahead and have a similar business, you go find somewhere else, right? This is where I got here first. Right? So it raises all these interesting questions of the difference between mm-hmm. grabbing an opportunity to purchase an object, to, to take an object, to marry a woman, where I could sort of say, hey, you know, like, you know, it's like, you know, go, you know, go, like, uh, like, uh, I, like, so that's like, that's one case where it also says, if I don't own the object yet, and I'm not in negotiations yet, or whatever, I can sort of, you know, then you're, you have a right to try to seize it for yourself, as opposed to when I'm sort of engaged in a business, and you're interfering with my business. So let's just skip to the end here, where he has a practical application, and he says like this, he says, to that ten lines from the bottom he says starting of a line he says let's say you are you have somebody who you've hired to tutor your kids and I'm looking for a job of tutoring I can't go to you and say you know David I'm a much better tutor than that guy you've got like maybe you'd like to hire me okay why because that guy's already engaged and I'm interfering with his existing Parnassar arrangement okay Right? Then also the point being again, like, go somewhere else. Right? So, in low, however, if the owner says, if the homeowner says, you know what, I'm not so happy with my current employee, and I'm looking for somebody to take the position, then of course you can compete for the position. But let's say I've hired a certain teacher. Somebody else can hire him away from me. Now, why isn't that like stealing? You're stealing my employee. You're stealing the plot of land that I was trying to buy. So why is that different? Why is that okay? Go find somebody else. This is my employee. No. He seems to me to be the best one for my son. I can't. There's no equivalent. Which is similar to the idea of don't tell me to find another woman to marry. This is the woman I want to marry. So basically, according to Tosos, it's very interesting, right? When you're given uh, uh, an agency to do something to go ahead and do it for yourself is much more dastardly. But if you're not given the agency and somebody's engaged in something and you're going to swoop in and take it away, right? So there, Tosos basically says that's really fundamentally problematic when the guy had other opportunities. You could have just as easily gone somewhere else, or even not just as easily, but you could have reasonably found a similar opportunity for yourself. Okay? But if you could not reasonably have found a similar opportunity for yourself, like, no, I want that teacher that you've got and I'm willing to pay him more and I'm going to hire him away from you. I want that woman that you're courting and there's no other woman that's like that woman right so in that type of a case it actually if you know would be appropriate you're able to act in your in your own interests so a really interesting sort of balancing you know those types of cases when you're a shaliach and when you're not a shaliach and when like you know you're allowed to act in your own interests and when it's considered to be like a dastardly thing to be doing and yes it's so problematic I can't even begin to say like all these years like I used to watch I, I was always responsible for hiring faculty mm-hmm. I never called another school when I knew that the faculty person right. had already made an arrangement with the school to continue the following year. Right. Like, come to us. Like, I really could need, I could really use you. Right. Offer, what, are you, what are you getting paid? <laughs> right, right. I, I never did that, ever. Right. And I, it, it was like, unbelievable. It's like, it, he's saying you could do that. Right. I find that so problematic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's... Like, I need a relationship with all these other colleagues. I think that there's a... I think that there's a different... That's another factor, right? Right. Here, that's totally ignore it, right? Yeah. Between the two exactly. You know, the next month I'm going to you think like this is my employee like you know the person here he has an annual salary they've got benefits they've got whatever so there it's mamish like you know it's mamish like taking something away right it's not like these things it was like 
I think the Tosus case is, let's say you had a tutor, right? You, you had a tutor, you know, you saw somebody who was tutoring somebody else's kids, right? You know, would you feel that it's the same issue about saying to them, you know what, like, this guy would be so great for my kids, let me see if I can. I don't know, it's interesting. It's not, the, it's a little bit, it's a little different when it's more, when it's not as much of like, it, it's already like, how, 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 how existing is the current, you know, or, or strong is the current relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I presume we're going to be talking about this the next perspective. But this comes up all the time in competitive businesses. Uh, there's seven right. medical schools in New York City, and we're stealing faculty from each other all the time. Right, there you I go. I <laughs> have never tried to do it with someone who wasn't already unhappy and looking around. Right, right. But I have done it with people who right. were unhappy. Right, and right. trying to get out. Right. And then there's this middle ground where you say, you know, if you ever want to think about switching places, you should yeah. come and talk to me. That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Look, I put, that's why I wanted to read right. this, because it raises those interesting questions. You go from being an agent, right, which, uh, you know, and again, I think it's interesting because you're still talking about finding a life partner, so, you know, what, you know when does that have to trump, you know, the, the existing relationship that you've already made? And, you know, again, maybe, like we said, the Gemara could be talking about that the guy said a specific woman, not any woman. Maybe he already had a relationship with her. Maybe the Gemara wasn't dealing with this whole issue of romantic love, so it wasn't the same sort of scene as consequence, you know. But anyway, to take is where you don't have an existing relationship and it's just going in and grabbing a plot of land and you know all, and all these types of cases in between all right yes we, ha- we do have to move on yes. um, not exactly uh, similar similar okay yeah yeah relationship between how close the ties are between two people involved and how much this is sense of responsibility right I think in, in Ta'anit they talk about the blessings of rain right and they say one of the reasons why we get the blessing of rain is because of faithfulness between man and man aha uh-huh. And I'm kind of thinking of that. Right, right, right. It's a good point. Right, exactly. About that sense of that relationship. Okay. All right. All right. So let's move on, right? Um, so the most is like this. Okay, so now we get to, we, we get uh, from the ethical discussion back to the halachic discussion. <laughs> so a man says to a woman, marry me, and after 30 days, and somebody comes and marries her before that time, uh, she's married to the second guy. So the Gemara says, If the guy did marry her within 30 days, what's the story? Um, so obviously she's married to the first guy after 30 days, but it's not so obvious. She's married to the first, first guy, the only guy. But here's their Kiddush. Even if the money is no longer around. Now normally, if you do an opinion that takes place after, t- like, after a certain period of time, you have to have some remnant of that, a- of that act of Kinyan present after 30 days. So if I, for example, say, take my, you know, uh, I'm going to buy your cow and I will own it after 30 days and I draw the cow into my property. If at the end of 30 days that cow is roaming around in Rosh Hashanah and I don't own it. When that day 30 comes and my, the, the Kinyan takes effect, there has to be some thing, some remnant of that original possess, you know, act of possession that's still present. So if the cow's in my property, it works. But if the cow's roaming around in Rosh it doesn't work. So here they say it works even if the money is not around. Okay? Now, why is that? Even if the money has been consumed. My timer, what's the reason? When the money was given, the ring was given, it's not a loan, and it's not an object for safekeeping. Okay? It's not just an object of safekeeping, because if it were an object of safekeeping, it was a pikadon. If I said, hold on to this money, and after 30 days, you'll be married to me with this money. So then, if the money isn't around after 30 days, She's not married, right? Because there's no money left. But it wasn't to be done. How do you know it wasn't to be done? Because if I said, hold on to this money, if I said, hold on to the money, and something had happened to the money, it would have been my loss. I'm, you know, I'm giving it to the woman, hold on to the money, it's still my money, it would have been my loss. Here, if the, you know, uh, here, if the money is lost, it's the woman's loss. She's already taken possession of the money. Okay? So therefore, it is not like a picadon. Now, it's not a picadon, so what's, what else was it? Well, is it a loan? If it was a loan, it also won't work, because I can't marry a woman with a loan, with money, right? 
So the milva nami lo damu, it's not a loan. Milva lo tsanitna. Honey, betars kiddushin yevina niyale. The purpose of a, of a loan is that she can go ahead and spend it on herself and then she'll have to pay me back the money. But this was given to her not as a loan, but as a type of a kiddushin. Now, what does that all mean? That was a little complicated, but what it's basically saying is the following is... If I had said to the woman, hold on to this money for me and you'll be married to, it's my money, but you'll be married to me with it after 30 days, some of it would have to be around after 30 days, right? Because if, you know, none of it is around, there's nothing left for me to marry her with. If I said, here's, here, here's some money, I'm giving it to you as a loan, and then after 30 days I said, oh, you know that money you owe me? That's $100 you owe me? You're married to me with it. Okay, I can't do that because I can't be Makadish Pamilva. There's nothing to marry her with. So what it's saying is, but it's neither of those. Because what it was was, it was money I gave her, and at the time I gave it to her as Kesef Kiddushin. I didn't say, just hold on to this, it's my money. I didn't say, here's a loan. I said, this is a ring, I'm marrying you with this. This is Kesef Kiddushin. It'll take effect later. So because that's what I'm saying, so because it's not a Pikadon, and it's not a loan, I don't need the thing around then, because essentially it's a long way for the Gemara to say, because I already gave her the Kesef Kiddushin later. I don't need there to be Kesef Kiddushin later, right, because it was already given to her originally as a type of a Kesef Kiddushin. Okay? If I only focused on the later, on the later I would either have a Pikadon that didn't exist, or a loan, and I can't marry her with a non-existing Pikadon, and I can't marry her with a loan. But I don't have either of those, I actually have the money that I gave her, and therefore I'm able to marry her with it. Now, that doesn't, you know, because of that original money, it was given as Kesef Kiddushin. Now the thing is, that doesn't really fully answer the question, because then just say right away, what's the Kiddush? You already gave her the ring. Of course you can marry her, you gave her the ring 30 days ago. But it seems that the point is, is like I said before, that if the original act of the kiddush of, of the tra- of the transaction is completely no like you know no longer present, right? Its 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 memory has been erased, then it doesn't take effect. If I if I took your cow and thirty days from now it's it's roaming in the rishisarabim, there's no remnant to that original act. Its memory has been erased, then it, I don't take effect thirty days from now. But here the memory of it has not been erased because if she's not married, right? If the marriage doesn't go through she's going to have to give the ring back she's going to have to give the money back so there's still a reality of that transaction right she still has the money she took from that transaction and if she didn't weren't a, and if somehow there wouldn't be the, the, the transaction right the money would have to you know, the, you know would go back that money is still is still by her it's still somehow in her possession yeah, but nevertheless go by and and Nothing was done, afterwards. Well, let's say, I don't know, they were, let's say one of them changed their mind before the end of the 30 days, then the money would have to go back, right? But yeah, in this case, 30 days went by and nothing happened. So what, it's a complicated way for the Gemara to say, on the one hand, you're not marrying her with the money after 30 days, because there's no money after 30 days to marry her with. There, there's either a loan or there's nothing, it doesn't work. You're marrying her with the money you gave her before, okay? But normally you need some remnant of that act to still be present. The sort of, you know, remnant of the act is that she still has that money that she received and she'd otherwise have to give it back, okay? But, but that's enough to create that the first act is still considered to be present, but you're marrying her with the fir- initial money, not with anything later on. Later on, there isn't the money to marry her with. All right, let's continue. So the Gemara says like this. Um, uh, okay. Now let's say somebody did not marry her in 30 days and uh, she changed her mind before the 30 days were up. So when you say after 30 days, that presumably means that there's some opportunity to back out. Not only does it not take effect, but if it doesn't take effect, you could presumably back out within that period of time. So what's the halacha if she, if she changes her mind? She can change her mind. Her word negates the word, meaning until now it's seen as only not yet the act of Kiddushin, just the word of Kiddushin, because it hasn't taken effect yet. So she can therefore reverse that and negate that by saying she's backing out. She cannot back out. No, it doesn't negate it. Detail. Let's say I made a shaliyah to take truma for me, and then I voided the shlichus. If I voided it before he took the truma, it's not good. So you see, you can void a shlichus. I made him a shaliyah through my words. I voided it through my words. And the second and the voiding negated the first appointing of shlichus. So here too, the voiding should negate the act of kiddushin. This is no. 
when you here there was actually an act it wasn't all words money was given into this woman's hands so since money was given into this woman's hands yes it hasn't taken effect yet but there you, that, that's seen as an act and then just words to say I, I, I back out is not enough to reverse that act Okay, so now and words cannot negate the, the act. That's Rish Lakish's position. Asa, I'll ask you. We had this in Gittin. A man sends a uh, sends a messenger to deliver a get to his wife, and then he reaches the shaliach. He sent a shaliach after him. Ramelon sent him. The get I've given you is voided. It's voided. Okay, now there's all question: Are you voiding the get or voiding the shaliach? So we're going to focus on voiding the shaliach. Okay, it's exactly parallel. Give money to the woman, give the ring to the woman, give the get to the shaliach, and in, and if you can, your words can void the giving of the get to the shaliach. It can void your giving of the money to the woman, or her words can void that. Okay, and you're able to negate the shlichos. So but says no. Hasam nami yada. No, no, no. There also, even though there was a physical get that was given, as long as the get did not reach her hand, dibur, it's only words. Meaning the act of gerushin has not taken effect. Right? A get was given to a shaliach. There was a physical act, but it wasn't the act of delivering the get. It wasn't the act of gerushin. So therefore, before the actual act of, that effects the whole status change took effect, then something is still abstract. It hasn't yet been concretized and it can be negated the Debor who it's words Vasi Debor and Vatel Debor but when you give the ring that is the act of Kiddushin so it's true the Kiddushin didn't take effect but the act of Kiddushin was done and once the act of Kiddushin was done words cannot negate the act maybe something else but I don't know if you throw the ring back in his face it's not clear but simple words cannot negate it once the actual act has been done that's Rish Lakish's position A.C. Rish Lakish and now Rish Lakish Challenge Rabbi All vessels can become fit to become receptible for tu- uh, susceptible for tumah. Something is only susceptible for tumah when you're making a vessel when you're done making it. Now, how do you know when you're done? Right here, you are. You're you know fashioning a nice bowl. Are you done making the bowl? Do you still have to polish it? You want to make a little design on it? At what stage are you done? Okay. So your thought is enough to determine that you're done. You you made the bowl and you, you know you thought initially you were in the middle then you said you know what it's fine as it is as soon as you think it's fine as it is I'm done now it's considered a bowl and now it can become it's become tame but after you've made that decision I'm done then you can say you know what it changed my mind I want to go ahead and make a little finish it off and gloss it off and make a little a little design on it that's not enough to make it yet now and not a bowl. And once you've decided you're done and it's a bowl and it's a vessel, the only thing that now makes it not a finished vessel is if you actually start going and, you know, working on it again. You actually go ahead and start carving it and shining it. But just thinking, you know what, I want to do something more to it. Once it got the status of a vessel with your thought, it doesn't lose that status just through your thought. You would need an act to reverse that, that status. That is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> thought, language, and action, and the interrelationship for right. and identity. Right, of course, again, yeah, there seems to be a huge difference between, first of all, the bowl was initially made through your action. So it was an interaction of thought and action defining when your process is done. And it seems very, very different from this question of when you did a legal act and do you, are you still enti- able to void it and what you need to void a legal act. Here it's a question about like, you know, whether you're still in the middle of the process of making the vessel or not. Like, to me it seems there's big differences. They're all, both of them are fascinating. Anyway, the, the end of the mission is, masa motzi miyad masa, an act can reverse an act. If you did an act and you shined it and showed you were done, but then you go back and you continue working on it, so then it's not yet a done vessel. And certainly if you go ahead and back work on it after having thought it's done, then that shows that it's not yet done. Machshava, but just a thought, emotsi, lomide masa, cannot reverse an act. If you, you know, did some type of a shining and polishing, and then you think, you know what, I want to go back, obviously that's not enough. But not only that, lomiyad machshava, even if you just thought you were done, and then you changed your mind, it still is considered done until you do something. So you see, bishlema, miyad masa, lomafka, clearly your thought doesn't reverse an act words don't reverse an act 
Tzaddik. Let it go, reverse your thoughts. So according to you, Rabbi Yochanan, if words can reverse words, why can't, I mean, thought reverse a thought by the making of a vessel? So, the, so he says, no. I mean, there's different because there's a passage that shows you that when it comes to tuma, your thought is like an action. When it makes something susceptible for tuma, okay? Papa, Papa It says if water is placed on food on a seed, it'll be susceptible for tuma. The karina but we read it as not you placed it. If you place water on food on, on, on a seed, but if water is placed passively so what is it when does food become susceptible do you have to actively place a liquid on it so we say even if it's placed by itself in a way that's similar to you actively placing it the same way if you actively put the water on the seed because you wanted it even if it just rained on the seed but you were happy with it you liked it it's like you placed it so for the halacha that food only becomes susceptible for tumor when it comes in contact with water, the liquid, the halacha is, it doesn't have to be that you place the liquid even if it was accidentally came in contact with liquid, as long as it was, you were happy with it, you so wanted it. So machshava, when you like the kiyutan, it becomes like a kiyitain. So when it comes to making something susceptible for tuma, we say your machshava is like an action. So when you like the water on it, it's like you place the water on it. When you've decided the vessel is done, it's like you did an action to make the vessel done. And because it's like an action, your thought doesn't negate it. But in other areas, thought would negate thought, and that's Rabbi Yochanan's position. Again, he bases it on a pasuk, but to me there's still a huge difference between saying, when do I consider the vessel done what's the interaction of you know process and action and thought as opposed to when I actually did a legal act that hasn't taken effect yet am I still in a position to void it you know this to me it seems like to be hugely different questions in the world of tumor it means that things are so vulnerable to tumor yeah Machshava is strong enough to make it susceptible um okay yeah <laughs> I mean that's what we were saying but um there's a big difference here. It's like once once the vessel assumes uh, a status that it can be macabre tumma, who says that you can change that at all? Right, so, so that's actually not exactly what I think, but that's also an excellent point, which is mm-hmm. is that the status has already changed by the vessel. Yeah. And that's what the Gemara actually could have said. What do you mean? Here it's like a masa because it already had a status. It already had a shame clean. Right. right? When you did a masa kidushin, no status has taken effect yet. That's even a better way of saying it, which is correct. You know, the status has already changed. Okay, let's read a little bit. I know it's already 8.30, but we'll just try to read a little bit more. It says like this. Um... Okay, Razid taught this discussion not on about whether Dibor is Mavatu Dibor, not on the case of La'achar Shloshim Yom, but on another case. A woman made a representative, Lekadsha, gave right to an agent to marry her off. So a woman made an agent to accept Kiddushin on her behalf. Then she went and she married herself off. If she married before the Shaliach married her off, then, then it's her marriage that's binding. But if the, her agent married her before she married herself off, then what she did isn't meaningful because the agent went ahead and did it first on her behalf. Now, then here's the question. Let's say she made this agent, she didn't marry herself off, and then she said, I'm, I'm retracting my agent. Mahu, what's the story? She can void her agent. She cannot. Now, by the way, Tosa says, this is crazy. How can you say, I can make an agent, and then be yelling and saying, I don't want that agent to act on my behalf, and the agent can still go ahead and marry you off against your wishes. Okay, so Tosa, which is sound like what we're talking about. Yeah, she doesn't know that you're yelling and screaming, right? Okay, but we, but we know okay so anyway Tosa tries to explain it in this, right? we, she goes in front of a basin and she announces I sent this guy I changed my mind I don't want him to marry myself off oh sorry he married you tough luck right it's like crazy so Tosa tries let, let's just go Tosa tries to explain what would be the case but we try, you know that he tries to say that it's not so much that she's refusing anyway but Rishaki sounds very extreme here that you cannot negate your shlichos and somebody could represent you against your will 
Your words negate your words. You voided your shlichos. You can't negate negate your shlichos, which is wild. Here you negated your shaliach by truma. You negated your shaliach. So you see you can negate your shlichos. Okay? And in both cases there's no object. It's just words of appointing a shaliach. No, there the negating is a negating done through an action, right? Because all these questions is okay. Words can't negate. Could there be an action that could negate? So yes, maybe view the same way. How would a woman negate her shaliach? She would marry herself off. How would I negate my shaliach to do truma? I would take my own truma. So if you did an action to take possess, repossess your rights, that would be meaningful. But it could be your words are not enough. Okay, so we're still so that's going to be the claim. You cannot negate your shlichus with words. You have to do an action. Okay, let's just let, we're going to just go through the same. Uh, if people give me two more minutes, we're just going to go through the same issues. Then only the same issue with the tum'ah so you see words don't negate words your thought doesn't negate action why don't, doesn't your thought negate your thought by the making of the vessel okay no that's different thought about tumah is like an action same thing we said there when you think that you want it it's like you did the act of placing the liquid on it and when you think you like the vessel it's like you did the act of making the vessel so there thought cannot negate the thought because the first thought was like an action now we get to the key point so there it's clear you sent a shaliach you did not do an action you just negated your shaliach with words so you see you sent a shaliach you can negate your shaliach with words right when you sent your shaliach for the get that's the complete contradiction of Rishlakish certainly in the second case if you verbally make a shaliach you can negate your shaliach, your shaliach with words. But the Gemara says, the Hilchasa and we rule like Rabbi Yochanan, not only can your words negate your shaliach, but your words can even negate when you say the Kiddushin should take place after 30 days. There you did an act, you gave the ring to the woman, and nevertheless, since it hasn't taken effect, you can negate it any time before it's taken effect. So we rushed a little bit, but we're going to pick up on that tomorrow so we can... Uh, have a chance to appreciate the bottom line psakalacha here that not only can you negate the appointment of a shaliach but you can actually back out on a transaction that has uh. take, the, act, the, the act was done but the transaction hasn't taken effect yet and in that type of a case according to Yochanan you can negate it that's how we rule we'll continue to see that tomorrow